Thank you for that. That was wonderful. Here in Psalm 100, we have five verses here. Uh, I'll read over them one, uh, one more time. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. So every time you hear me sing, the reason why I don't sing up here is because it is a noise. It is not anything of what you just heard. It is a joyful noise, but it is a noise. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth for all generations. Here in these five verses, what you see is really uh, much of the entirety of the Bible. You, if you look at God's Word, you can kind of sum up these, uh, God's Word. And God's Word consists of three, uh, 31,102 verses. 27,000 plus are in the Old Testament and almost 8,000 round up the, uh, the New Testament. Um, so 31,000 verses and we just went over five and you can really sum up the entirety of God's revelation, this, this entire book, uh, in those verses. Praise and serve Him. He made us. We are His. He is good. <clears throat> he is merciful. And He is true. That is what God is trying to reveal to us. Just a snippet of Him. Just a snapshot of who He is in just those five verses Praise Him because He is good. Praise Him because He made us. Serve Him. He is merciful. He is true. Who wants to be happy this morning or this evening? Interactive, if you don't raise your hand, are you telling me you don't want to be happy? Who wants to be happy? Who wants joy? Amen. Amen. Well, guess what? God wants you to have happiness and to have joy. Pastor's been focusing on this, having joy in the Lord. Sometimes I know I have a hard time uh, having joy. Sometimes I have a hard time even showing joy. If you know this, I kind of have a face that just is mute sometimes. And uh, if you look at Paige throughout this sermon, sometimes you might see her like this. That's her telling me to smile. And then you'll see me smile real quick, kind of, kind of like a dork. I'll go... <laughs> You'll see the smile. It's because Paige just told me to smile and show the joy. But, I mean, I do have joy in, in my heart and have joy for the things that God wants. But we should have joy. We should want to be happy. And that's what I want to share with you tonight. And simply, uh, with the title of the message, what I want is for us to simply just praise Him. And let's pray. Lord and blessed Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given us. Thank you so much for just the, the truth of your word. Thank you so much for just who you are and what you have done for us, for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins, Lord. And just thank you so much for being a loving God and a God that answers prayer. Lord, we have many prayer requests. We have many people hurting, Lord. And, and even when it seems bleak and seems uh, as if we are saddened and heavy-hearted, Lord, you want us to praise you because you are good, because you are merciful, because you 
You created us, and everything is perfect in your will, Lord. We just pray that we can lift up your name. Speak through me, Lord. Make it your words and not mine. Love you, Lord, in your precious and holy name. Amen. So what do we have to praise him for? I have three points, plus a couple of subpoints, but I have three points. I look at the, um, see in the clock, and I know pastor says he'll speak fast and listen fast. I'm going to speak sort of fast, and hopefully you guys just listen and get 10%. But uh, so what do we have to praise him for? Number one, we have to praise him for because he is God. Because he is God. Look at Psalm 103. Psalm 103, know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. If you would, just look at that. He is God. He is the Almighty. He is the one that created us. He is the one that is in control. But normally I would look at Job. Job, uh, at the end of the book of Job, there's a, there's a point in time where uh, Job has been questioning God and asking who God is. And finally, uh, after 38 chapters, uh, God answers who he is. But it's also summed up in, in Isaiah chapter 40. So hold your finger in Psalm, and I would also hold your finger in Isaiah chapter 40, because we'll be here for a little bit. Isaiah chapter 40, and verse, we'll read uh, verses uh, 12 through 15. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 12 through 15. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and meted out the heaven with the span, and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in, in scales, and the hills in a balance? Let's just pause right there real quick. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? So one of the things that we do in teen class, outside of bad dad jokes, is... Um, we also do fun facts. And I got some fun facts for you. So when we start looking at water, does anyone know how much water is actually on this earth? There's a lot. Well, you know, I, I like kind of rounding those numbers out. There's actually 30, 326 million trillion gallons of water. So if you want to know what that actually looks like, that's 326 and 18 zeros following it. That's how many gallons of water are on this earth. Let's give you a visual, because I like visuals. Think of a sphere, or think of a circle. If you were to put all the water, all the salt water and all the fresh water, all the water on this earth, and you put it in a bubble, that bubble is going to be 816 miles in diameter, and also 35 miles high. If you want to know what 35 miles high is, I got you. That is... 184,000 feet. That puts it into the stratosphere. That's 35 miles. So uh, the the space nerds that are out there, I don't know where Ben is, but uh, 35 miles, 184,000 feet. Um, If you encompass, uh, so that's just the water. And guess what the Isaiah says? He holds that in the hollow of his hands. Just think about putting just a little bit of water to get a drink. But it's the entire water of the earth, and God is holding it in the hollow of his hands. That's how big our God is. He's so big that he weighs the mountains in scales. So let's look at mountains. What's the biggest mountain in the entire world? Mount Everest. How heavy and how big is Mount Everest? Oh, that's okay. I got you. It is 332 
uh, or no, excuse me, 357 trillion pounds. 357 trillion pounds. That's one mountain, and God uses those mountains on the balance of scales. Our God is big. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord? Isaiah 40, verse 13. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord? Or being his counselor, who hath taught him? Or hath taught him? With whom took he counsel, and who instructed him, and taught him in the path of judgment, and taught him in knowledge, and showed to him the ways, way of understanding? Some of you have kids. Who's ever gone to school? Who's ever learned something? Someone taught you, correct? Someone taught you how to talk, how to eat, how to hold the spoon. And I'm really good at this. this I'm, I, I, could, I learned that very well. Verse 14, who instructed him? No one taught God. I love this point. We always have this epiphany like, oh yeah, that makes sense. This occurrence. Nothing has ever occurred to God. He knows it. Nothing has ever taught, no one has ever taught him. He knows it. He is knowledge. That is our God. That is the God we serve. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket. There are 195 countries in the world. And all of them are a drop in the bucket. And are counted as small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. We serve a mighty, mighty God. This is just a small example of the God that we serve. And when we look at why do we praise God, why do we praise Him? It's because who He is. He is God. He is the one that holds the water in the hollow of His hands, that uses the mountains as just weighs the mountains in His balance. Number two, why do we praise Him? Because we are His. Because we are his. Psalm 103. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. If you look back at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11. I told you we were going to be there. Verse 11. He shall feed the flock. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom. And shall gently lead those that are with young. Let's think about that just for a moment. Just before that, we are just in the following verses, we look at how powerful our God is, that he holds all of the water of the earth in his hands, that he has measured space. We can't even figure out how big space is. He's measured it. He knows. And yet, when we look at what he does for his, we look and we see that he shall gather the lambs with his arms. Those that are Weak, those that are the most vulnerable, he has picked them up with his arms and he carries them just, just ever so gently. We look at all the small kids, we got Maverick in here, and I see those that are holding Maverick and he's, he's just kind of cuddled and everyone kind of cuddles on him, right? God's doing that with us. He holds the water in his hands, yet he cuddles and carries us because we are his. Our God careth for us because... His mercy is everlasting. We do not deserve it. We don't deserve His mercy. He loves us so much. He spared His own Son for our sins because we are His. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, this is that time. If you are, unless you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you can't say that you are His. 
But those that are in the family of Christ, just know that you have the most powerful heavenly Father ever. You have a heavenly Father that is so powerful that He can weigh the mountains, that He can measure space. He is your heavenly Father. You are His son or daughter. You are in His family. And if you have not accepted Him, now's the day. He wants. He is in the saving business. We will talk about that in a little bit. He is in the, the saving business. So we praise Him because He is God. We praise Him because we are His. And number three, we praise, uh, praise Him because He feeds His own. Psalm 100, verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, He is God, and it is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. We are the sheep of his pasture. And in Isaiah 40, verse 11, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He is there to feed you. He wants to give you meat and milk. What is our meat and milk? This is our meat and milk. This is what we are fed with. When we look at, who likes steak? I like steak. Ribeye is my favorite. I've had filet mignon. I know there's some that you get the, the bacon around it. It makes it nice and juicy. It's nice, but I'm, I, I like ribeye. Best ribeye I've ever had. I actually cooked myself, not to pat myself on the back, but this is how I know it was good because Paige does not like leftover anything that is meat. She just does not like it. It's absolutely gross to her. She does not, she wants it fresh and that's it. And if it's not fresh, she ain't eating it. And uh, several years ago, because I still remember it, if it's been over 10 years and I still remember it, you got to know it's a good steak. I went. <laughs> I went and uh, had a butcher cut the steak. I said, I want them that thick. And sure enough, I got them that thick. I got two steaks, made it, um, grilled them up, and they were perfect. And then she ate the leftovers the next day. That's how I know it was good. But the meat that God feeds us with is so much better. That anything on this world does not compare what he feeds us with. And so this is where we're going to anchor for a little bit. So I told you we, we had three, three, three points, and I went through them quite quickly. But we're going to anchor here on the third point because I want to tell you just a couple of things that he feeds us with. Something that I've been thinking about for uh, quite some time um, just because it's just hit my heart. And the first thing that he feeds us with, number one, is wisdom. He feeds us with wisdom. If you would, turn your Bibles to uh, Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. Now, my teens know where I'm going with this because we've been talking about wisdom and Bible literacy and Bible illiteracy and something that I would say that a a large portion of not just uh, the world, but I would say even some Christians, if we look at it, the the lack of Bible literacy, the uh, the lack of Bible understanding that we have has definitely created a point where we are becoming apathetic to the things of what God has. We talked about apathy in class today. Apathy is the the antithesis or the complete opposite of empathy. Not just sympathy, but empathy, that strong feeling. We have we have some, some families in our church right now that are just hurting. They are in so much pain. And if we are just sitting there going, well, that hurts, but it's not me. Are we being empathetic or are we being apathetic? 
And when we start looking at God's word and God's wisdom, we start looking and putting together the, the Ten Commandments, and then we look at the two great commandments, the greatest commandments, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and all, thy mind, or all our strength and all our mind. And the second is like unto that, that we love our neighbors as ourselves. And when we start looking at those that are hurting and we go... It's, it's not me. We are being apathetic and we are not bearing the burdens of our, of our church members, of our family, our family members, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And if we're not doing that, is it because we just don't understand? Is it because we're not being, uh, we, taking that wisdom, that knowledge, and then that proper application uh, of our knowledge? Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 through 7 The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. We look at the, the power of wisdom. We look at Solomon here is the uh, author of, of Proverbs. Solomon was the wisest man that, that was on this, on this earth. He got his wisdom because when he took over uh, the nation of Israel from his father, David, God met him in a dream and God said, what do you want? What can I give you? And Solomon wisely said, I just want wisdom to rule the people the way you would have. Not only did Solomon get uh, uh, extra wisdom, that, that double portion of wisdom, but he also got everything that he didn't ask for. All the riches in the world. If you look at history, Solomon's very arguably one of the richest men that ever lived and will ever live because of how much God blessed him and gave him peace on every side. Yet, when all he asked for is wisdom because God see, uh, sees wisdom as such a, a powerful and valuable thing. So much so, just turn a couple pages to Proverbs 3, verse 13 through 18. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou canst desire, and are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is every one that retaineth her. See, I told you, I asked you who wants to be happy and who wants joy, and we look at what, where we can find happiness and God feeding us. He feeds us. We praise him because he feeds us with wisdom, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. See, God wants us to get wisdom. With all you're getting, get wisdom. He wants us to be wise. So how do we obtain this wisdom? First, you must be his. I told you, or I said before, you, uh, if you're not his, you're not in his family. And without being his, he's not going to give you that wisdom that you seek. See, you have to be his to uh, gain this wisdom. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior? 
I've, I told you, he's in the saving business. We have four saved just today. Two in this church after, uh, after uh, morning uh, service and two in the, the jail ministry. Our God is still saving. If you don't believe me that God's still saving just after the four, why are you still here if you're saved? You have work to do. God has us here for a reason. He wants heaven fuller. He does not want the devil to, uh, to take anybody with him. He is in the saving business. He wants to save your soul. Luke 19, 9 through 10. And I'll, I'll read these for, uh, for time's sake. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation. Come to his house. For so much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and save that which was lost. Matthew 18, 11. For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. Romans 5, 8 through 9. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Why does this matter? Why does this salvation matter? Why does it matter that you, uh, to get this wisdom that you have to be saved? I don't have my phone here. So I just got back from a trip from Germany. And um, who, who has a phone? Most, most if you're, unless you're a kid. Um, I know how to work this phone. So you, see, right now it's just my lock screen. I'm going to open it here. And now I've unlocked it. And now I can use my apps well, I just got back from a trip from Germany, and believe it or not, when you are in Germany and your cell phone connects to a German cell tower, everything turns to German whether or not you like it. Um, so I get off the plane, and I got to figure out where do I need to go because I don't speak German. I go to another country. Why don't you speak American? Yes, I know American is different than English, and we speak English, but we speak American at the same time. Uh, so I'm looking at my phone. Where do I go? I pull up Google, and I try to type it in, and I just get gibberish because it's all in German, and I can't figure out how to turn my phone from German to English. I know what the problem is. I know how to read. I do have some literacy. I do have some knowledge, but I'm looking at something, and it doesn't make sense. That's... What God says the natural man has with this, with this book. Who can read? I can read. You can read this book. You can see the words. Put them together. They form a sentence. And they mean, they mean things. And I'm going to read this as a natural man, as a lost man, to take some, to see what it says. But God's already said, you're not going to get wisdom that way. 1 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can we know them, because they are spiritually discerned. God gives us just enough for that salvation, that knowing that we need that salvation. Outside of that, once you are saved, now you can start looking at this and start studying this, and it starts making sense, and it starts working in your heart. Until that point, God's just saying, I got nothing for you until you take, accept me. See, you have to come to him as, his, as, his, as your personal savior before he's willing to give you any other kind of knowledge. So, if you're not saved and you want wisdom, first step, you must be saved. If you're saved and you don't have wisdom, the first question I have for you is, have you asked? Have you asked for wisdom? Because... With that Bible literacy, one of the things that I've found in James 1.5 is that 
he, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. He's wanting to give you guys wisdom. He wants to give you that wisdom. And upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So if you are lacking that wisdom, if you're lacking that understanding, are you saved? If you're not, today's the day. We have so many in here that can help lead you and uh, teach you uh, what the Bible says about your eternal uh, destiny and how you can become his. But if you are saved and you're looking for that wisdom, have you asked? Because God wants to give you wisdom. So God feeds us with wisdom, but God also feeds us, number two, with revival. With revival. So my trip uh, to, to Germany, I had a friend of mine. He's the pastor at uh, the church that I was able to go to. Uh, funny enough, this is how small of a world this is. Uh, so I met uh, John, who's my friend in Germany. I met him at Lighthouse Baptist Church in Columbus, Mississippi. Columbus, or Lighthouse Baptist Church in Columbus, Mississippi is now pastored by, uh, I can't remember his first name, but Pastor Rutledge, who many of you actually know who he is. Chris, Chris Rutledge, yes. He took over, and here we are, fast forward. Uh, John is a missionary. He's been a missionary to Iceland and to Burkina Faso, and then he was called to Germany to, to minister to the uh, military there in Kaiserslautern area. There's a, a big uh, military presence in that western portion of Germany, and one of the things that he was focusing on was just seeing revival in his church. See, his church, when he was running, when he first got there about a year ago, they were running about 10. And now they're at about 55, 60. And they're seeing the sparks. They're seeing baptisms. They're seeing, they're seeing salvations. They're seeing baptisms. Then I look at our church, and I see we have four today. We've had some baptisms. We're, we're seeing that spark. We're seeing a spark, but that's what I want to say. It's a spark. What is revival? Why does he want to feed us revival? Noah Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary has four definitions for what revival is. Number one, return, recall, or recovery to life from death or apparent death. Number two, return or recall to activity from a state of languor as the revival of spirits. Number three, recall, return, or recovery from a state of neglect, oblivion, obscurity, or depression. And number four, Renewed and more active attention to religion, an awakening of men to their spiritual concerns. You see, God wants to give us revival. And you know, you won't actually see the word revival. You, you see the word revive, but not revival in the Bible. But we get a lot of that from uh, Psalm 85 6. Psalm 85 6. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Will you not. Uh, Awaken us. Give us that life to, that, to those spiritual concerns. Do you give us that spiritual concern, that empathy, that knowledge, that wisdom that we so desperately need that we can rejoice in Him and we can rejoice in Thee. So how do we get this revival? My, uh, my friend would, uh, had a, a quick recipe. You've, you've seen this recipe. It's a 243 recipe. Has ever, anyone ever heard of this 243 recipe? Might be a southern thing. He's a very southern individual from the state of Mississippi. Uh, you can hear it with his uh, draw, uh, southern draw, and I love it. Second Corinthians or Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Very familiar passage. 
If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will hear their land. See, it's a 243 recipe. If my people, who are called by my name, too, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, for then will I hear from heaven Forgive them of their sins and heal their lands. You see, there's your three. You see, we, God wants to give us revival. He has a recipe and we have to follow it. With, with wisdom, we can see what that can be uh, um, broken down into. First, humbling yourselves. James 4, 7. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit. I've said this before, that submit. Uh, I, like, I like MMA. I like seeing, uh, or some uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, see someone just get, get in that choke hold or get in that hold. I've done this to my son, uh, not to hurt him, <laughs> but I've put him in that hold, and you're waiting for that tap, that tap. What does that tap mean? That tap means I submit. I am submitting. What does that mean? I give up. I can't win. You've got it. The only way I'm getting out of here is if you let me go. That is what God wants from us. He wants us to submit. God, you've got it. I can't do this. You take over. I can't do this by myself. That submit, that word submit, uh, here's some uh, English, Greek slash English grammar nerdery here. That submit is in the perfect tense, in the Greek perfect tense. What that means is you, you do it, but you keep doing it. We can't just submit once. You submit, and 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 you submit. Notice the order here, though. I love the order. God is a God of order, and he's so good. Submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. Then resist the devil. You can't resist the devil if you're not submitting to God. You can't try to do the, the, the latter thing or the, the resisting. You say, you know what? I'm going to resist devil over here. God, I got this. You, you take a load off. I got this. I don't need you on this one. No, that's not how it works. If you want to resist the devil, you have to be submissive to God first. So submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And number two, after humble, pray. And we look at that prayer. We, are, uh, we know that we, we serve a God that is a God that answers prayer. We look, listen to Miss Sefi's story um, and just the prayers from the missionary letter and just the prayers that we know that God is good and that God is going to take care of us and that God wants to uh, save us and also wants to heal our land and wants us to seek his face. See, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things shall be added unto you. See, if we're humbling ourselves, if we look at that 243, if we humble ourselves, we are humbling ourselves and then we are praying, we are automatically seeking his face. We are already saying, God, I can't do this. I need you. Help me. I am seeking his face and I am praying, Lord, I need you to take care of this. If we look at if we look at what God's wanting to do 
with revival. I just look at our countries and <clears throat> our countries in turmoil. Our states in turmoil. And I'm afraid it's because we've been apathetic to the things that God has God has told us to, to stand for. We look at some of the the agenda, if you will, just the, the way this world is going. And we see where where are we at? Where are we saying, no, this is wrong? No, God said no. And I am putting my foot down. No. Because God said no. Are we doing that? Are we standing? Or are we just apathetic to what God has, or what is going on in our world? And I'm afraid that that's where we've, we've come. And if we want God to heal our lands, if we want God to forgive us of our sins, if we want God to heal, uh, to hear from heaven, the first thing that we've got to do is we've got to be pray, humbling ourselves and praying and seeking his face. And if we are doing that just within our own hearts and it leads into our own families and then it leads from our families into this church, think of everybody that is in here if they are submitting themselves to God and seeking His face and praying the power that God can do through this church to just this community and from this community to reach the rest of our state and from our state to the rest of our country. See, God is a God that will heal our land, but are we seeking him for it? He wants to feed us. Are we letting him feed us? Are we, he wants to just let us thrive through his, for his glory. Are we seeking him the way that we should? See, we seek his wisdom. We seek revival in our homes because God will feed us. He said that he would feed us. And we praise him for feeding us. And then we look at the, the last little bit because we see this happen over and over in the, in the nation of Israel. See, the nation of Israel was like a, a circle here. They kept going. They would start out in God's will. Everything was great. And then everything would just kind of start to taper off a little bit and they'd get further and further and further away from God and then God would send... Uh, send some persecution and, and some enemies, and they would get overran, and they say, whoa, what is happening? God help us. And then sure enough, they would get back into God's will. And I see that with us as well, and we're on that down, down, uh, down spiral, but Psalm 105, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. All generations. That's our generation as well. God is in the saving business. He is in the business to revive us. Are we, just, are we doing what He has asked us to do? Are we seeking His face? Are we uh, praying? So what do we have to praise Him for? Because He's God. We can praise Him because He's God. What do we... What do we have to be happy for? He's God. What do we have to praise Him for? We are His. What do we have to praise Him for? He will feed us. He will feed us. Let's pray. Lord and blessed Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given us. And thank you so much for just feeding us wisdom and 
and revival, Lord. And just thank you so much for who you are. We want to praise you because you are God, Lord. We want to praise you because we are, we are yours. You hold us in our hands. You hold us like a lamb to his bosom. We don't deserve it. Lord, we've failed you so many times, yet you said that your mercy endureth forever. Your mercy is everlasting. and That you are good, Lord. And we just thank you so much for that. And we praise you for that. When our hearts are heavy, we can look and be thankful. And we can serve you and we can praise you because of who you are and what you do for us. Lord, And I just pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, that this is their day, that they would come to know you as their personal Savior because you want, you are in that saving business. You want more in your family. You want, that's what we're here for, Lord. And we just praise you for that. Lord, as we have this short little invitation, Lord, I pray that we would, uh, those that are yours, those that are profess you as their personal, that you're their personal Savior, Lord, that they would stop being apathetic, Lord, that they would take the, the, the Bible and just apply that wisdom to their lives and that they would just have that revival in their hearts, that it would just spread, spread like a wildfire in our and in our hearts, and their families, in our church, that we can reach this community. Lord, we love you. We praise you. In your precious name, amen. With your heads bowed, eyes closed.